The Green Bay Packers fell to the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday, dropping the record to 4-4, four and four, the worst eight-game start since 2009. The silver lining? They're still just a game out of first place in the NFC North. Where did they go from here? We'll ask Stephen Watson of WISN-TV. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're rehashing a loss to the Indianapolis Colts, unfortunately. Hopefully a little bit of therapy here for you this morning. And to do that, we have a guest joining us on the line. Expert interview. We have Stephen Watson of WISN-TV in Milwaukee, who covers the Green Bay Packers. Mr. Watson, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Just trying to figure out what's going wrong with this team right now. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff we can talk about here, and maybe we'll start this morning with some big question, big picture questions, Stephen. Uh, I'd ask you what to uh, if this team is Super Bowl contenders, but I guess the more appropriate question is if are they playoff worthy? I think at this point, with kind of the layout of the NFC North, they are still definitely in that playoff hunt. Um, we've seen the Vikings kind of uh, falter as of late with a couple of straight losses. And, you know, Lions are coming on strong, but I don't know if they still have the pieces that can make them take the North. So I do think the NFC North is in front of the Packers still. Uh, this three-game stretch on the road is, is certainly going to be a big test for them, and we'll really see what this team is made of. Um, you know, the, the biggest question for them is is can they figure out that offense in time to uh, – to turn it around for this second half of the season push. Yeah, definitely a good look there at what's coming up for the Green Bay Packers. But if we take a look at what happened on Sunday here, Stephen, if you had to place the blame uh, on either the offense, the defense, or special teams, who's most at fault yesterday? Well, it's no question they got beaten all three of those phases of that football game. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that 99-yard kickoff took a lot of life out of that football team. And it was really interesting to hear from Aaron Rodgers after the game saying that he couldn't believe just how deflated that sideline was after a play like that. I mean, we're, we're talking seconds into the game. They're down 7 nothing, but they come down, they get that field goal. All of a sudden, it's, it's still a one-score game, but he said the energy was completely lost. Um but to your question, I, I still think the offense is the number one concern right now for this team. Um, and they're still trying to figure out their identity with, without a running back, which is still something that's been mind-blowing to me personally, is that they haven't been able to bring somebody in that can at least carry somewhat of the load. They have Don Jackson that they promoted. But, you know, in a game against the Colts, they give him just four carries for 16 yards. And Ty Montgomery has now become your starting running back, which – you're asking somebody to change positions when they grew up their most of their lives as a wide receiver and skill position player to go into the NFL and now be expected to carry a load. And 
truthfully, Ty did a great job, but he only got seven carries. It makes me wonder if he should have gotten more carries for that offense with how effective he was as a runner. But they, they just seem broken. They seem lost. I mean, a couple of missed throws from Aaron that, that fall off the face mask of Janice. Um, they're just not executing. And they, I think it's a, it's a top-down thing right now. It begins with the play calling with Mike McCarthy. Um, and I, I think Aaron is uncharacteristically bad when it comes to you know, some of the throws that he's making. And then you've got wide receivers that have been really inconsistent when it comes to making plays. Well, we'll talk more about Aaron in a second here, but to kind of use your comments as a jumping off point, uh, you know, after watching Ty Montgomery on Sunday, would would you say he's a running back now? We're a wide receiver or what is he? It's interesting where he's still trying to figure it out. I mean, we, we talked to him in the locker room, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the question we always ask is, where, where do you see yourself? And he's like, I'm a football player. And, you know, it's an interesting comment. But I, I think that he still is a wide receiver at heart. Um, I think he's just been put in a position where he understands he's probably going to get more reps as a running back right now because of the need. Um, and he's just doing everything in his power to try and help the team. But I still think he is a, a more effective wide receiver than he is a running back. I mean, Ty Montgomery from day one, has always reminded me of a guy like Percy Harvin, who you, you throw quick passes to him, you give him open space, and see what he can do with it because he's just so athletic. Um, but I, I still think, you know, with his build and, and size, I mean, he's five foot eight, five foot nine. Um, he, he still needs to be in that Randall Cobb type of role. You throw him in the slot, you give him the opportunity to move in space. You know, he when he gets that space, you've seen him as a running back, he can do stuff with it. But I you're trusting that he can bounce to the outside quick enough every single time to find that space. I, I still think he's a wide receiver. And I think this team will figure themselves out once they figure out that running back position. Um, and, and hopefully James Starks can be healthy within the next week or two and, and join them on this three-game road trip, and that could really help out this offense. Well, while we're on the topic of running backs here, what what do you make of the report that the Packers are reportedly going to sign Joyke Bell? former Lions running back? Uh, I think they're, they're desperate at this point. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad sign. He, he's been with you know, the Lions and then the Bears. I mean, he's making his tour around the NFC North right now. Um, I, I still don't know if that's the answer, but can it be somewhat of a, a, a glue at this point? Uh, I, I think they just need, they need something. Um, and Don Jackson clearly is not giving them what they're hoping for because he's not getting the reps that you would think he'd get as a full-time running back. So, um, you know, I, I don't dislike it. I, I haven't seen, you know, Joyke hasn't been that productive as of late, so you never know, but a lot of running backs, it depends on the system that they're in when you're talking productivity. Um, and the Lions offensive line has been pretty bad for the last couple of years. So um, I, I think it, it could only help the Packers at this point. And, it, again, if he's not effective, then they always know that they can go to tie until they get James back. We're talking to Stephen Watson of WISN-TV in Milwaukee here at Cheesehead TV's Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Uh, Stephen, uh, there's been a lot of attention on Aaron Rodgers this season. It maybe wasn't his worst performance of the year, but it seemed to have was a step backwards after the previous two weeks. What do you make of his performance on Sunday? Um, I think the, the biggest problem with 
with Rodgers has been he's holding on to the football too long. Um, that's just my own personal opinion. I, I, I think he's missed a lot of open throws and a lot of open opportunities with his receivers. Um, I, I still also think his receivers aren't running the best routes. Um, but, you know, his, his footwork's been off. That's been just something you can see in tape um, during most of this season. Um, and, you know, that, that because of that, the timing is off with the receivers. Uh, we could be talking about a very different performance from Aaron Rodgers, though, if Janice catches that long ball or if he, you know, he hit that the play before, that long shot to Jordy over the middle of the field. You know, if they connect there. I mean, it just gives the Packers the offense, you know, the, the boost that they need. But I think the biggest struggles for Rodgers right now, with the exception of maybe the last four minutes of that football game, has been their struggles in the red zone. Uh, they just simply could not get anything going in the red zone. And, and I, he, it, it seems like he's holding on to the ball too long and he's not trusting his receivers running the routes and the timing is off. So, yeah, it, it's really odd to see this from 12, just given how, how, statistically good he's been and how efficient he's been throughout his entire career. But there, there's something off there with him not trusting those receivers or not liking the play calling to where he's holding the ball a lot longer than I think he needs to. Yeah, very good point about the Janice play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' performance could look a whole lot different if you tack on a 50-plus yard gain to it. So uh, just to statistically speaking. But if we were to look at the defense here a little bit, uh, we've talked a lot about offense here. You know, Stephen, uh, people were starting to question the lack of playmaking ability by HaHa Clinton Dix uh, through, you know, the first half of the year. Did he silence the critics with his performance against the Colts? Yeah, as a playmaker, he he did. He stepped up. He, he not only had those two interceptions, but he had that key sack on Andrew Luck in the first half. But then you look at the, that third and ten play in the fourth quarter, late in the game, and and Haha went high on Luck and, and missed that sack opportunity that would have potentially given the Packers the ball back with a chance to tie the game. Instead, they got that first down to T.Y. Hilton over the middle, and that's the play that you know after talking to. Uh, in the locker room last night after the game, that's the play that he still points to. It, it's not about the interceptions. It's the fact that on third and 10, that Packers defense simply could not make a stop. Uh, just like at the end of that first half, that 96-yard drive, they couldn't make a stop when they needed to. Um, and, you know, that, that's what makes answering that first question you asked about who, who to blame more so hard because, honestly, all three phases were terrible in that game against the Colts. Uh, but, you know, ha-ha, I, I think – He's still one of the, the most fundamentally sound guys on that defense. He's still a rock. Um, so, yes, I do think he silenced the critics of being able to make those big plays. Um, and, you know, I, I still think he's one of the better defensive players in that unit. Were you surprised Clay Matthews didn't play? And how much did the Packers miss his pass rush uh, on Sunday? I was very surprised that. Clay did not play because he, he at least said to us that he, he expected to play, but you know how players get with the media. Um, it's always a game. But I, 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 I did expect Clay to play there because he's been practicing, um, yes, on a limited basis almost all week. Um, and there's no question that, that that team is different when he's not on the field because of what he's been able to do on the outside of just pressuring quarterbacks. And, and Julius Peppers looked a step slower than he's been. I think age is, you know, certainly showing for him this season. He hasn't been as impactful as he has in the last two years. Uh, but 
you know, that, that defense is certainly different when you have a guy like Clay who's all over the field making tackles and, more importantly, pressuring the quarterback, which, you know, was, was maybe the biggest problem on defense yesterday for the Packers. You know, that, that Colts offensive line gave up the most sacks in the NFL entering that game, and the Packers got the luck just once in that, that game yesterday. Uh, before we let you go, maybe one lighthearted moment here after a lot of doom and gloom <laughs> after a Packers loss. But what, what did, did you hear what happened to the infamous squirrel from Lambeau Field? No, my, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to some sources who were close <laughs> to the squirrel. Um, you know, I, I think he got away, uh, maybe, maybe back into the cushions. Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> this squirrel reminds me a lot of this, you know, this Twitter account that started last year with the James Jones hoodie. I mean, it's it just, it, it, it's amazing. It, it's, it's entertainment, but you got to love it. It, it, it. But I, I did see a stat about Rogers' numbers after the squirrel were incredible. <laughs> he, he was like 11 of 16 with, you know, two or three touchdowns after, after the squirrel came onto the field. So, you know, maybe it was the rally squirrel, but um, it did it, it did come a little too late, but no no word if the squirrel is still in the confines of Lambeau Field or not. I know I do know. While we were after the game, you know, taping some stuff for TV, we did run into the guy who had the the net trying to catch the squirrel, and at that point, he still had not caught the squirrel. So <laughs> the, the squirrel could still be out there, but will it be out there by December fourth when the Packers are back at Lambeau? That's a long time to live in, in, inside Lambeau Field. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if he's back. They'll have to create a terrarium for him or something and keep yeah. him around as the good luck squirrel. All right, Steven, are you going on the three-game road trip? Are you going to go to the every game? Um, not every game. Um, we will we will be in uh, Philadelphia for sure. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have we'll have somebody there. Sounds uh, good. It won't be me. It won't be me personally, but we'll we'll have uh, coverage and we'll obviously be watching very closely um, because. Let's let's be honest. That 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 could be the uh, turning point of the season as long as they can stay in in the thick of the North at this point because they do still have the Vikings coming at home, um, and you know and, and another opportunity with you know the Lions as well. So I do think that uh, if, if they can if they can take two of three on the road here, I still think we'll we'll be in pretty good shape. Sounds good. Uh, we'll look for your coverage from the studio coming up. Uh, thank you so much for taking a few moments to talk to us this morning and uh, keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Take care. Stephen Watson of WISN TV in Milwaukee covering the Packers and talking to us here on a Monday morning as we try to wade our way through another Packers loss here this morning. Uh, but let's continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right, the Green Bay Packers lose 31 to 26 to the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Like I said, dropping the record to 4 and 4 on the season. You know, uh, we're going to get to the the chips report in a second here, but just in general, uh, you know, kind of my biggest takeaway is I'm surprised especially at the offense on Sunday. You know, Taking a look backwards here, even though the Packers lost the previous week, you know, last week uh, against the Falcons, th- this was still a team that scored 32 points on the road in Atlanta. And, and you know, to me, it, it really looked like, oh man, they're the offense was turning around, they're hitting their stride. 
They're figuring things out even as if the you know they've got injuries at running back and tight end and all those places and offensive line and they were running the old West Coast type of offense, dinking and dunking their way down the field. And then Sunday happened, and they're coming home, and you just expect it to continue against a defense that's certainly nothing special with the Indianapolis Colts. And I just don't get several decisions the Packers made. Like, when Ty Montgomery is averaging over seven yards a carry, why not use him more? Uh, you know, one week after Trevor Davis and Geronimo Allison scored touchdowns, why not use them more? Uh, and and why the emphasis on using Richard Rodgers so heavily? I'm not saying never ever, you know, throw the ball his way, but six targets in the first quarter? What's up with that? Just some head-scratching moments from this Packers offense and and... You know, I, I just can't figure out why they can't be more consistent on that side of the ball. But as always, to kind of wade our way through uh, this game, our post-game chips report as we do here the the day after the game, always here at Railbird Central. So your, your blue chip performers, the best of the best, the cream of the crop from yesterday's game. I always, you know, two, two players from every category here. Ha ha Clinton Dix uh, gets one of them. Um, he gets the top billing. And uh, you can argue all you want about, you know, him missing the sack in the fourth quarter. And I agree. It's a play he should have made. But when you create as a safety two turnover inducing plays on the defensive side of the football, you know, that overcomes any shortcomings. And if you're questioning why he might be in that blue chip category if he didn't come up with the sack, I think you just have to ask yourself, where would the Packers be without those two interceptions? And I would say they would probably would not have been within one score of the Colts, you know, on the final score in the fourth quarter with the game still in limbo uh, with, you know, with three minutes left or so. Uh, if it wasn't for those two turnover-inducing plays, uh, they would have been a lot further behind. Um, and, you know, for Clint Dix, it's a, it's a little bit of redemption. Uh, just when he was starting to get some negative publicity for failing to come up with the big play, uh, notably in a column by Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, that's when he turned it around. And you know what? The criticism was warranted, too. This was a first-round draft pick we're talking about. It's not as if, you know, Clinton Dix was bad the first seven games of the season, but you expect more from him, and he finally delivered on Sunday. What you saw was a display of his range and also his ball skills, uh, an ability to get from midfield to the sideline to make plays, not once but twice, uh, although certainly the first of the two interceptions was the more impressive play of the two. Uh, he came all the way from center field to make a play in zone coverage, whereas the, whereas the second play was an overthrow by Andrew Luck. But, but still, credit Clinton Dix for making the play. Um, and he also had a sack earlier in the game and made three tackles. 
In fact, he played more snaps than anyone on the roster, 79 of them between both defense and special teams. So he was the Iron Man. He was the best player of the game, even if he did come up you know, short on that sack attempt. Uh, he at least did put some pressure on Andrew Luck, just didn't take him down. So uh, he gets the, the one nod. And the other blue chip performance goes to Jake Ryan, which I thought may have been the best game of his career because he made his presence felt in every phase of the game. Uh, the best part about it for Jake Ryan was his run defense, making a team high 11 tackles of which I know Pro Football Focus recorded five stops out of that. You know, that's basically positive plays, you know, just tackle short of the sticks or, you know, keeping them to short games, things like that. There's 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 a definition to a stop that you can look up if you want. But, but you know what, it didn't end there. Jake Ryan also broke up a pass and pass coverage. And, and this was one of the first times he was ever a factor in the pass rush. <laughs> getting to the quarterback, uh, getting credit for a quarterback hit on Andrew Luck. Uh, he also made a tackle on special teams. So it certainly wasn't Ryan's fault they lost this game. You know, if he can string together more performances like that, he'll be in really good shape. I, I just thought this was, you know, the best game of his career thus far. Uh, and we're now talking one and a half seasons in now, so... Uh, good for him, uh, a big step forward, and uh, if he continues to play like that, wow, uh, the, the he's really got a future in front of him, so good job. I mean, again, we are talking one game here. He's, he's, he's got to start having more games like this, uh, but hey, hopefully this is the first of many to come and, and credit him for a good performance. Your red chip performers, the good, maybe not great. One, I think, uh, goes out to Corey Lindsley, and he deserves this, especially in light of the injury to J.C. Treader. Uh, there definitely wasn't any drop-off at all, and in fact, maybe he even played better than Treader. Uh, you could just tell the grind of a half of season of football hasn't caught up to Lindsley yet. He he was very active. Very adept at moving at space, even for an offensive lineman, picking up pass rushers. And you know what? There there didn't appear to be any rustiness with his snaps, either under center or in the shotgun. So Aaron Rodgers had to appreciate that. And I thought he kept a clean pocket. As the offensive line largely did the majority of the game, I think there were three sacks, you could argue again. Maybe Aaron Rodgers holding on to the ball too long, and maybe that's part of the reason. Uh, but I, I give you know Corey Lindsley credit for stepping in there after so much time off, and and him not being a, a problem whatsoever. He was not part of the problem uh, of the Packers' offensive woes. Uh, so good job to him. Uh, you know what? I I had a I had a difficult time coming up with another red chip player, and and maybe another one of the offensive line deserved it, like Brian Balaga, who gets honorary mention. Might be Brian Balaga's best season of his career, uh, which is amazing uh, for all the injuries that he's piled up over the years. Uh, but you know what? I, I'm giving, uh, you know, Blog gets honorable mention, but the the other red chip, I'm going to give to Ty Montgomery. 
and part of it is for coming back from complications stemming from a sickle cell trait to become really, I think, a, a legitimate running back, except for maybe his blocking. Uh, but as a runner, uh, Montgomery averaged 7.6 yards a carry, wh- which, again, made you wonder why they didn't use him more. Uh, but the the statistics here uh, in all, he had seven carries for 53 yards, uh, including a long of 24 He also caught all three targeted passes thrown his way for an additional 38 yards. So finishing just under the century mark in in yards from scrimmage here. Uh, Some stats from Pro Football Focus. They put him among the league leaders in yards after contact and missed tackles since he basically took over as a running back, which, which just shows his potential there. I really like what he's doing. I blame the coaches for not using a more... Uh, but yeah, Ty Montgomery getting the, the red chip performer in this game. And, and then the bad, uh, the cow chips. One of them goes to Ladarius Gunter. Uh, it seems like every game we're either acknowledging him for his good play or his bad play. And there's been no in between. And that's, you know, where we're at with Ladarius Gunter right now is he needs to be more consistent game to game. You know, sometimes, you know, they're just, he just needs to be kind of invisible on the field, kind of like Quentin Rollins was. I It wasn't a good performance by Quentin Rollins. It wasn't a bad performance. But, hey, I mean, we're, at least we're not talking about Quentin Rollins in the cow chip category. Uh, but you know what? Uh, Ladarius Gunner, the reason he's got it here, every pass that came his way was completed on Sunday. And, and again, Credit Pro Football Focus here for the statistics. Uh, when he was targeted, Andrew Luck uh, was 7-for-7 seven seven for 107 yards and a touchdown, and that accounted for a perfect passer rating by Andrew Luck when targeting Gunter in coverage. Uh, he also got crunched by a blocker on Frank Gord's first quarter touchdown run, uh, so not a good day. Uh, by Ladarius Gunter, like I said, needs to be more consistent at this point. But it, it was better than the game he had against the, uh, I believe it was the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but uh, apart from that, still not a good day uh, from Gunter. Um, the other cow chip, uh, uh, if you want, there there were plenty of honorable mentions here. Jeff Janis was an honorable mention after dropping what could have been a long touchdown pass. And you know what? I've usually given Jeff Janis the benefit of the doubt, but there was no defending that play after kind of bouncing off his face mask. Really misjudged it there. Not good. Uh, Also, Julius Peppers was the king of almost making a play on Sunday, but never closing the deal. And when you play 50 snaps, you got to close the deal once in a while. Uh, But this one, I'm actually going to... Uh, this one falls on Mason Crosby, actually. He he gets the other designation here, along with Gunter, for making two mistakes, one of which cost the Packers a touchdown. On the opening kickoff, the Packers had six players to the right of Mason Crosby, four to the left, and then the kickoff went straight down the middle, making it easy for the Colts kick returner to exploit the weak side of the field and the Packers were in a hole before 15 seconds were even off the clock, a lead the Colts would never give up. 
and it was so deflating just from the opening kickoff to be to be down seven nothing before you even blink and then the crowd comes out of the game you know what that that just that was a killer right there and then Mason Crosby also missed a field goal albeit a long one but it was a difficult day for the Packers kicker which typically hasn't been the case you know so he he gets the designation there for for two big mistakes um as opposed to Jeff Janis with the one mistake and and you know Julius Peppers I don't know how it's not as if there were mistakes there he just never closed the deal it was a difficult decision and you could certainly make the argument for any of them uh as well as some other players as well um but yeah disappointing loss not what I envisioned the Packers looking like I predicted a win it's not as if I haven't been wrong before been paying plenty of times where I've predicted to win and they lose and predict them to lose and they win. So, uh, but, uh, not, not what I saw, especially from the offense on Sunday. The day ahead. All right. Um, what we're looking for on Monday, perhaps more than anything else, this, this report on Joyke Bell. Uh, so, uh, the way the, the, the timeline goes here, I first saw it reported by Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com that they'd get, that they'd work out Joyke Bell, uh, just bring him in for a workout. Nothing more than that. He reported this on Sunday, even before the Packers game started. And then that was followed up by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that the Packers would sign him. I don't know if this was the the without even the 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 benefit of a, a workout to see him work out first. Whatever, I, or I don't know if something's just getting lost in translation here. But apparently, if you believe Ian Rappaport, the Packers are going to sign Joyke Bell. And, you know, it's it's I found this a little bit curious considering that James Starks should be ready to come back. And I perhaps thought he would come back for the Colts game, and perhaps I was a little overzealous in that thinking. Uh, but that but that's still what one makes this a little bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, because they also have to make room for him. And I, I really don't have a feel for what the Packers are going to do. Uh, you wonder a little bit if Don Jackson's job might be in jeopardy considering how little the Packers have utilized him. Uh, maybe you just cut a running back to make room for a running back and then hope you can put Don Jackson back on the practice squad. They certainly have other places they can make room. I've been arguing that the Packers should cut Don Barclay for a while, but... I don't know what they're going to do here. So we kind of wait and see what's going to happen. Is it, is he just coming in for a workout? Are they going to sign him? What kind of transaction are they going to make? The corresponding transaction if they do. So uh, that's that's what we're really waiting to see here on this Monday. But, you know, as usual, this is the busiest day on the talk show circuit. And if you're looking forward to that, um, on Monday evening, Dayton Jones will be the guest of Ty Montgomery on Clubhouse Live. It's Jared Cook's turn to host in the huddle at Game Day Sports Bar in Appleton on the Woodward Radio Network. Morgan Burnett will be the guest on Packers Live with Larry McCarron recording live from the Lambeau Field Atrium on Monday. And Jeff Janis is the guest on The Game Plan, heard on WTCX Radio in Fond du Lac. 
So all those things and a few more of which Packers guests have not been yet publicized by the media outlets. So there's always more to look forward to uh, if you want uh, if you want some more Packers misery <laughs> about this loss to the Colts. Uh, the good news is the Packers, I think, have a manageable schedule. I don't think they're playing the best teams in the NFL coming up. But the flip side, the bad news, uh, the next three all on the road, which certainly doesn't make things any easier. So it's going to be a critical stretch coming up. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, and we'll take it as it comes. So we'll look forward more to that on Wednesday. Uh, coming up, our usual uh, Wednesday interview with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. We'll talk more about this game, start to look forward to the next game. Uh, so lots to look forward to here coming up. Um, my call to action is always as usual. If you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you can do us a solid, head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up. Give us that five-star rating and a brief little review. Doesn't have to be anything long, but we think it's a service to Packers fans. So if you could go ahead and do that, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you later, folks. Have a good Monday. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiruvu. Um, I leave you today with a song called Let's Go Outside by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. It's a